Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the About Review Podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. You can find the podcast on all forms of social media at about to review Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can subscribe on iTunes, Blueberry, Podbay, Podbean, and also stream the episodes directly from the website abouttoreview.com. On that very same website, if you want to pitch in a dollar, there's a support tab at the top. And if you want to buy some merchandise, which would be amazing, and it would help me get more stuff for the studio that does not break like what happened right before we started recording. It was pretty scary. Uh, you can go to abouttoreview.threadless.com, get a t-shirt, get a mug. Uh, there will be more pictures coming up on social media as some pictures roll in. I love seeing those. Email those to me at abouttoreview at gmail.com. Thank you to the sponsor of Vexing Media for the audio editing. I think that about is everything. <laughs> uh, my guest on this episode. Guess who? <laughs> my guest for this episode, uh, you recently heard a few episodes ago on episode 74, returning to the show after popular demand. Welcome back, Aaron Hundley. Popular demand? You heard me. <laughs> hey there, listeners. Thanks for popularly demanding me. Or should we say... Welcome to the show. This is Quiet Storm in the About Ooh, I to Be Podcast. That. I love that. So right now in the studio, we're only using one of the two uh, lights, and it definitely feels like it's a Sunday night slow jams. Like <laughs> pretty much, we're hitting it hard tonight. Don't mind us. We're uh, setting you lovers of Seattle up for success. Except you are listening to this on Wednesday when it drops. <laughs> so it's Wednesday. I can't think Morning. of a, yeah, yeah. So I can't think of like a. <laughs> A rhyme, like some a word that would be like musical for with a W. Mm. Like I love alliterations, and that's why right. I love like Sunday night slow jams. Oh, there you go. I'm just trying, like but it. jams is with a Z, so you know it's of real. Course. So you know of course, of course. Uh, Aaron, of course, is from Flourish and Inkblot's Etsy shop and AaronHundley.com, where you can find her movie reviews and other writings and musings of her life. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about three movies that are in. Well, two of them are in theaters now. One of them is an indie feature that. Might be getting released uh, on video on demand soon. Actually, yeah, I think you can pre-order it uh, on demand soon. It had a limited run. But those three movies are Goodbye, Christopher Robin, The Snowman, and Columbus. Before we get into that, the very important thing we have to do right now is introduce the theme song. Da-da-da-da! My, that was my game show introduction. Da, oh, da, da, okay. Is the price is right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What is crazy is like, okay, so Pat Sajak and Vanna White are, I think, the only, like, are they in a cryogenic chambers when they're not filming? I feel like there are maybe like a, like an elite group of maybe six or seven celebrities mm-hmm. that just over time just donate, like share. I think that mm. at some point she has infused her DNA with cockroach DNA. Oh, so okay. like when the nuclear holocaust happens, it will be cockroaches and share. Like not gonna not gonna go anywhere. Vanna looks fantastic. Whoever her plastic surgeon is, I want that number because she looks great. Um, amazing. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna believe her if she's like, oh, it's a strict vitamin regimen. No. Mm. So like, there there are select vitamin group. silicone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are like a select group of celebrities that just. Don't age. I mean, is botulism a vitamin? But, but I mean, you have people like 
you know, some of us that have certain genetics that mm-hmm. don't age very well, like Gabrielle Union, who is as gorgeous as Bay. ever. And oh my gosh, this these last like couple weeks with all this Harvey Weinstein stuff, she has mm-hmm. been in it to win it. I love her so much. And she's given some very interesting interviews lately that I, mm-hmm. I have just, I have mad respect for her. And she still looks like she originally did in Bring It On and everything else she did before then when she was like 12 years old. She looks exactly the same. Hashtag black don't crack. Black don't crack. Uh, I keep telling people because I'm half black, I'm like half of me is going to look like this the rest of my life. The other half is going to look like I had a stroke and it's just going to start to just sag and wrinkle on one side of my face. But that other half, great. In it. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, cool. So how about we just get right into it uh the first movie we're going to be talking about is a film directed by simon curtis and aaron is going to let us know all about goodbye christopher robin so the marketing for this movie shows that this is the origin story of winnie the pooh Mm -hmm. Um, while that is not incorrect there are a lot of other elements to this story Mm -hmm. um the way that i like to think of it is it's more about how um Milne's son, Christopher Robin, inspired the stories of Winnie the Pooh. Mm -hmm. So I would say it's a lot more about the life of A.A. Milne while he was writing Winnie the Pooh and less about just this is the story of Winnie the Pooh. And so there are a lot of like external factors that you have as sidebars. I personally don't think that this is a movie for children. So with the way that it was marketed, I think I would say – be a little bit more wary bringing your children to see this in theater just because it does deal with some darker elements. Um, mm-hmm. Which, to me, I was very surprised. So at the But I, it, was a, it was a lovely surprise. Like, it was a, it gave more depth for me, personally. Like, it showed yeah. how this story rescued one and without giving too much away, like, potentially killed another. Like, it, mm-hmm. it brought somebody back to life and subsequently pushed somebody into hiding. So yeah. I, I felt like there were a lot of really interesting parallels that they brought to the screen with this and I Margot think, Robbie's character oh, it was it was interesting. We will get to that. I think when it comes to the the rating for this, like as far as like, so it is rated PG, mm-hmm. and I was shocked. So going into this screening, whenever there are family movies like this, you have a younger crowd. There were some little kids in the audience. Yeah. They, the they first... laughed at jokes and stuff like that, though, but because they didn't really understand the depth of what was happening in some of the scenes. In the first like thirty minutes, there is a flashback to World War One. Yeah. Oh, so A. A. Milne has uh, pretty bad PTSD yeah. before people knew what PTSD was, and right. he has uh, shell shocked. I yeah. think is what they were calling it. Uh, he has a war a, a companion, thankfully, that also was in war with him, and that he knew that ends up being that is his illustrator for mm-hmm. his novels as well. And so at least we know like he he finds out very soon that he is not alone in how he experiences it mm-hmm. because his illustrator says like for me it's the sound of a car backfiring yep. and because it starts with like a balloon popping or something like that uh, yep. or I think it was a champagne the, bottle. The first one was a champagne bottle, but yeah. I guess what would surprise me was. When it did that flashback, like it showed dead soldiers and it was not graphic. It was not saving. Yeah, it wasn't like gratuitous. But I was just I was still surprised in a PG movie. It showed like, yeah, like bodies just in. Yeah. Bodies a little bit bloody, a little bit like muddy muddy. because they were in the trenches. It was World War One. That struck me because I and as I look down because there was a little girl like a row in front of us. She was like right in front of us. Yeah. And so I was just kind of waiting to like see if the mom. Did was like, don't just, look. Yeah, no, they, just they didn't. Yeah, they just, yeah, but I respect her like crazy for yeah. that too. But at the it same time, like, to me. I think I maybe would have said PG thirteen. Yeah, but I can I can still see why they rated it PG. I mean, yeah, because I don't those... feel like there was anything gratuitously no. violent in it. Like there wasn't any like 
I don't think that there was really any content that you would have to be 13 to watch. Mm-mm. But for those few scenes, I think it would, as a measure of safe, I don't want to say safety. Like, what do I want to say? Uh, sensitivity. Word? Maybe. Because, I mean, yeah, it was. It was a Some flashback. scenes were graphic. Yeah, it was a flashback to a war. There was gunfire. It was really intense. Those scenes last for 30 seconds. Yes, yeah, at most. And there are only there are only a couple of them, but it just yeah. Those, I mean, it's again, in stark contrast. Oh, definitely, because the rest of the movie has like this watercolor style palette, like and the then original it just illustrations. goes right. So when it slams you back into World War One, but it's supposed to do like it's it's yeah. for a reason. It was just it was very well done, like mm-hmm. very well done. The blend of it all. Um, one of the notes that I have was about not only the sound blending because the mm-hmm. sound blending was really well done, um, but the overall feeling like nothing was out of place. Like everything right. in this movie felt like they had all their ducks in a row. And Donald Gleason did a, an amazing job as yeah. a male. And like he, and I can't I can't tell if Margot Robbie did a great job as her character because I just I ha- I didn't hate her. I just really didn't like her. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that is a like a sign of, well, she embodied this character really, really well. Or if it was just, the, just something about her got under my skin. And it could yeah. be the stiff upper lip personality on oh. it. But there were some things where it wasn't stiff upper lip. She was just a... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Edited for family content. Exactly. <laughs> because this is PG. Yes. Uh, eh, PG-13 for the most part. But And so that was one of my notes I wrote down also in the theater. Um I was wrote like, down a very specific word that I will not say. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, but I was writing stuff down. I was like, I need to do research on her. So I looked it up. And Margot Robbie played that character pretty Accurate. well. Okay. Um, in the later years of Christopher Robin's life. Um, so Like after he, he returned home? Or, right. So okay. when he when he got married, he actually married his first cousin. Uh, which, I mean. Wasn't gauche back then. Uh, it was, it, but it was also not too frowned upon. Like it was. It's just it is what it is. It, it is the British. So I, I was mean, like, I you, was really hoping at, you weren't gonna be like. He actually married his nanny before no, she died. <laughs> no. Uh, so he married his first cousin. That created a big rift between mm-hmm. he and his mom. And in the 15 years leading up to kind of her death, he saw her once. Yikes. So there was, there definitely was a rift, and you see that kind of played out in this when he is younger. But she is just. She's not maternal. No, and you she, can tell she from is the beginning. The like, socialite. Yeah, she. She. And what? But but again, I don't know if that's just because of who she was as a person, or if mm-hmm. that was just society back then. Because nannies did everything back Pretty then. Much. Like they they raised your child, and mm-hmm. then you sent your child off to boarding school. Like that was just what you did, especially as like a a British elite. Mm-hmm. Like so, I'm wondering how much of that is just it wasn't expected for her to be maternal. Or was she just not a maternal person? You know what I mean? Like and how maternal, much of that is? We mean by predominantly the the American view of that, which is hugs and cuddles and all of that. Nature that versus was, nurture, right? Yeah, and that was what the nanny, uh, Olive Byrne, was a real name, played by amazing Kelly McDonald. I love her. She she's just absolutely incredible in in everything she does. So she takes on you know that mothering personality she is the one that tucks him into bed the nurturing read you know, some stories exactly. they do their prayers at night together but the mom does know how to have fun because the whole inspiration yeah. behind winnie the pooh coming to life or winnie the bear you know and being embodied in his stuff his bear stuffed animal was because the mom's 
the mom engaged in play. Mm-hmm. She engaged in play and she got him all of these stuffed animals and did funny voices with them and right. made characters with them. So she did know how to play with her child, but I just don't, I didn't get any of the raising instincts of like, this is how you do this. It was more like you be taught how to do this and then we can do this together. Yeah. And that was, there were so many parts in this movie that, that were hard to watch only because of that. Just cultural difference. Yeah, one hundred. But I don't know how much of that thing. is. Well, I mean, just I respect when, the stiff upper lip. I respect well, when like she, nobody's business about when it. When she is giving birth, and you know she is sobbing uncontrollably because it was a very difficult childbirth, and she's like, "Get him out! I don't want him get, to see me. I don't want to see him. I don't want him to see me blubbing, you know, yeah. crying." And then at one point, goes for Robin like hurts himself, and she was like, "We don't blub. No in this blub house. in this house." Yeah. Like, so it just hurts me because I'm like, man. I'm like, but I was like, but at the same time, I was like, nanny would let you blow. She definitely mm-hmm. would. And that, so the nicknames in this were also very interesting. Mm-hmm. And that was something I could not really find too much research on. I mean, maybe it is in uh, Christopher Robin's autobiography that I did not get a chance to read. So he calls his dad Blue. Mm-hmm. He calls his nanny New. And his his mom had a nickname also. Um, well, and Christopher Robin was never called Christopher Robin. Right, he was Billy Moon. Billy Moon, yeah. And so that was So just... what's the nickname thing? Because they I... don't ever explain it in the movie either. None of it. Like, so like... I, I really want to... But the thing is, is she calls him Blue before he does. Yeah, so... so that, that I'm wondering is... where that nickname came from because mm-hmm. it happened before he had Christopher Robin. For sure. So I'm just wondering, if the English are all about nicknames, I'm totally for it because I give everyone I know a nickname. Really? Yeah. What? You don't want to know. Oh, come on! <laughs> um... But yeah, so just that was interesting. And because they did not really explain it, you just kind of have to roll with yeah, it. Yeah, you just accept it. Um, but due to the portrayal and the performances, I mean, Dom Hall Gleason, he is able to transform himself into so many different Have roles. you watched About Time yet? So he is able to transform himself into oh. so many different <laughs> roles. Watch him transform into that role. You have to see it. Uh, yeah. It's so good. With me, my first interaction with him with that stark contrast was seeing him in Ex Machina where he is just kind of this genius uh, inventor and works with the company and everything. And then seeing him in Star Wars. Unrecognizable. It's interesting where... that that was your first exposure to him. Well, it's first with the dramatic shift, I guess. Oh, okay. In, in tones. Because then it took me a while while watching Star Wars. I was like, why does this guy look so familiar? But his character was just so different. Mm-hmm. And especially when you have a... <laughs> Very distinguishable frame. Yes. Wiry. He looks like Ichabod Crane. Yeah. He's wiry with a bird nose. Right. And so, but. Adorable little ginger hair. And, and all of his performances, he completely separates and like that. that he's, he gives standout performances in everything he does mm-hmm. with one exception. Ooh. Was it about time? No. So that's why I'm not going to watch it because no, it was terrible. It was Great. not about time. <laughs> uh, but I mean, Wait, if you don't even want to see it, it's Bill Nye's in it. Like, About Time is such a great cast. Mm-hmm. Such a great cast. Okay. So wait, what, was the, what was he not good in? Because I... I won't even say that he wasn't good in it because you really can't gauge it. But my first exposure to him was in Harry Potter. So oh, yeah. he plays Bill in Harry Potter, uh, who ends up marrying Fleur. Yeah. Um, but the first exposure you have to him is in Order of the Phoenix, and he has one line. He comes in and just goes, Mad-Eye's dead. And that was it. Like, okay. but like, there's no introduction, nothing mm-hmm. whatsoever. He just walks in. He goes, "Mad Eye's dead." 
and, then- <laughs> and like dramatically looks at the floor. And mm. but legitimately, that line has been an inside joke between me and my best friend Kelly for years since we saw it. We'll just randomly go up to each other and be like, "Mad Eyes dead." <laughs> cue dramatic look to the floor yeah like legitimate like so that was my first exposure to him and okay. then when we saw him in star wars because we saw it together actually mm-hmm. i was in texas we were both like oh my gosh it's bill please give me like one dramatic look to the floor <laughs> like that's oh, all man. we wanted and in star wars but were... he did such a good job such a good yeah. job and so i mean and about again i really would want you to see about time purely because it's a different genre than both of those two films that you just mentioned okay so in comparison like you have star wars ex machina which i haven't seen but Mm -hmm. and then you have now uh goodbye christopher robin like Mm -hmm. another another genre that he's been in is about time he still plays like a very but he like it's a completely different shift for me like he plays a very quirky young man who i try not to give away too much but like a quirky young man who falls in love mm-hmm. and he has to figure out how to keep this woman while balancing other right. aspects of his life. So he has to choose love or personal gain or family. And so due to reasons unknown, mm-hmm. he is able to balance them, but learns very quickly that there is a butterfly effect yeah, to all things. Yeah. And so I really think that you should see it purely for the contrast in character development because he still shines in that role. I mean, yeah, he he's just very he's very talented. Yeah, he is solid. So I, he just Feel blew me away. Feel free to call me, ladies. Uh, mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, Margot Robbie, she was she also – Yeah, she was also a standout in this. And I'm glad that she – so she has, she has two movies out right now. Or, again, one of them is very limited release called mm-hmm. I, Tanya, where she is playing Tanya Harding. So her shift to being a super dramatic actress off of the heels of what is probably going to go down as one of her most memorable performances as Harley Quinn – I'm That's glad. her most memorable performance. I think we have other things to worry about. Well, and that is the thing. So I think these newer shifts into like these big drama pictures. Wasn't she in Wolf of Wall Street? Was that her? Yeah. Okay. I, haven't, I haven't seen it. So yeah. I've been told that I probably wouldn't enjoy it very much. Mm, possibly not. Yeah. Uh, and it is long. Yes. But anyway, so yeah, she was phenomenal in this. Mm-hmm. Very, very unlikable. But in a in a in an endearing way, like in a respect as like from a theater major, like I respect her for being so unlikable. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because it worked. Mm-hmm. It absolutely worked. If she was just a straight up unlikable character that every time she was on screen, you're like, you're like Ugh. Ugh. but this one, like she was captivating. But she if, in if the there, worst way. <laughs> yeah. If there is a, a villain in this, which there really is not. War. Um, well, war. But also, like, you are made to not like her. So in those moments where she does kind of transition into... You soften. Caring. Yeah. You're like, oh, maybe she is human. And then it's like, nope. Mm, yeah. there, mm, there it is. Nope. It's gone. Yeah. Um, I mean, some other notes that I had were I thought the music for the movie was really good. Really loved all... Not mm-hmm. only just the score, but, like, the actual music choices that they made for, like, lyric music mm-hmm. was really great. Um, it was really great cast. The costuming was done beautifully. I know yeah. I kept whispering to you, I want that jacket. I want that dress. I want Every that hat. Time. Because they were so good. So whoever did costuming on this, totally giving you a nod. It was brilliant. Um, and, and, I mean, my favorite... I mean, the whole point of the... The resolution of the story is, is he Christopher Robin or is he Billy Moon? You know, right. who who does he end up being or how does the choices his father makes shape his whole life and his whole existence? Because no matter what he does, even though 
as a kid, he has the identity of crisis of I'm Billy Moon. So why is everybody calling me Christopher Robin? Which had to be just so crazy. Confusing like, and scary for a child. But as a yeah. kid, that kid stole the flipping show. Like that yeah. kid is going to do, if he doesn't do great things, I will be very disappointed. Yeah. Mark that down, little actor. You better do great things. <laughs> so his name is Will Tilston. He's adorable. This is his first movie. He did such a great job. And I want to know how they found him. It's going to be like, we found him while, you know, wandering the aisles of our grocery store. Right. We're like, his bowl cut's perfect for Christopher Robin. Oh, that bowl cut. And that actually, in my research, I found out. So his mom, in real life, purposely would dress him in girlier, girl clothes. Because she wanted clothes, a girl. And keep his hair long mm-hmm. and like that bob they style. They mentioned it so. in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, She's like, well, they're perfectly good clothes. I don't know why I have to buy new ones. I wanted a girl. Yeah, because again, it speaks to that like you just are made to not like this woman. Uh, but no, the kid was the kid was great. There were only a couple times when, you know, he was acting. But at the same time, like when I looked it up, I was like, oh, this is his first yeah. movie, and you are counter- and you are in the scene with those Dom acting Gleason, moments McDonald, that like, felt like it was it was a kid in play though, and that's what I think I respect. I always respect that out of child actors. It's like to me, watching him was not like watching the Little Rascals, where every mm. single kid was was. Wait, when do I say it? Now, okay. Yeah, ah, they, they were reacting, exactly, and, and acting. acting. Mm-hmm. I felt like this kid was just pl- was just having a good time, and I I just I, I loved it. So I I really hope that he goes on to do really great things. Um, yeah. What the- is interesting when you talked about the music? So that was one thing that I wrote down. Also, the score for this is really good, but incredibly subdued. Mm-hmm. Like it is just these undertones in the scenes, and you have to re- you have to almost think about it to hear it. But you still, it still invokes feeling and emotion. I feel like that was very purposefully done. Oh, yeah. Because it was a, it's a timed movie. So it was, a lot of this movie had to do with the time of the century that it was set in, mm-hmm. which is why I think they chose lyric music a lot. Like Less. they pushed, <laughs> no, they pushed music that had lyrics, like actual songs that were oh, out oh, during gotcha. that time or actual music, whether it be jazz or anything like mm-hmm. that, that was out during that time frame instead of a score is because those scores were meant for those emotional moments, whereas mm-hmm. everything else was meant to keep time, was meant to keep place to show, to remind you where you are. Yeah. So I feel like it was purposely done, but it's, it was an, un, like you said, it was, it was an underscored score. Yeah. But it worked. Yeah. And so that was really successful. Uh, let me see. Yeah. I mean, Kelly McDonald, I just, She's just everything. She, I just love her song. She's just adorable. And she like, was in Harry Potter also. She's adorable. She was Ravenclaw. Mm-hmm. Um, so she... I My I house, Ravenclaw feel, rep. Whoop, whoop. Okay. Um, I went to do my, my house thing, and then I was like, I went to Pottermore, and I thought you I could You say this it. with such, like, vitriol no, no, no. right now. <laughs> well, like, I went to do it, whoa. like... <laughs> I went to do it at work. Slytherin. And then I went to, like, pull it up, and they're like, oh, it's going to take you, like, 15 minutes. I was like, what? It's a very in-depth quiz, but this determines the rest of your life. Take 15 minutes, dude. Well, I was at work. I thought I, I thought Ravenclaw and proud. All right. I thought I could just do it quickly, but I will still do it. Even though, Tom, um, I wore this. I'm wearing a yellow beanie. You can't see. I keep remembering that this is not visual media. I'm wearing right. a yellow beanie, and I wore it to uh, Emerald City Comic Con this mm-hmm. year, and I met Tom Felton, and he signed my mm. book. And he goes, he goes, oh, I really like your beanie. He goes, even though it's Hufflepuff colors. And I was like, yeah, Ooh. I was like, it's crazy because I'm a Ravenclaw. And he goes, oh, I don't know if that's better or worse. And I was just like, want to find out? <laughs> No, I wish I had said that. I thought about it later. It, I'm not nearly. We all know I'm not nearly that smooth. Like I'm not nearly that smooth. But it came out as, <laughs> yeah, I was like, hi, book, Harry Potter. I, probably, I was probably just like, words. you're a wizard. <laughs> oh god. 
Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot flirt. It is not a skill on my resume. Trust me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I can see that interaction. Uh, back so yeah. on track. Back uh, on track. So I Kellen- will say I loved the the last line of this movie more than anything else. Like, Or one of the last lines. The My childhood was oh, wonderful. Yeah. It was growing up that was hard. And I was like, yep. I, mean, I was like, that's it right there. Mm. So as much as you and other people who have been guests on this podcast, Tim, um, <coughs> like to say that I don't have a soul or whatever. I do not say that you don't have a soul. I say that you're heartless. There's a okay. difference. The movies, just because I do not go down the rom-com path, the movies that Titanic hit me. was not a rom-com. Where yeah, was true. the comedy in it? Well, it was comedy how. If you say when they hit an iceberg, I'm going <laughs> to throw this water at you. Um, but with me, the movies that really punch me, and I, I've talked about this on multiple episodes, any movie that deals with father-son dynamics, it just, it hits just hard. Um, so this movie, oh man. And I should say also, so at the screening, um, Aaron was to my left, uh, a couple other people were to my right, and then another local film critic, Sarah, was down there. A couple of seats more. There were scenes in this movie where in surround sound, I hear... <laughs> I did not cry. I did not cry. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't. There I did were, not cry. Looked, okay. So no, no, no. Wait. Actually, no. Her... I saw. It. I, I, I welled up. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Even though I, I can't. I don't want to ruin it for yeah, anybody. Yeah. I welled up when there was a question about somebody's existence. Yes. I will. <laughs> it was a very existential. Moment. But, but it was. Yeah. I technically am not wrong. A yeah. question about someone's existence is when I welled up, but tears did not fall, so it's not considered so crying the, in my book. At one point, like what I when I could. Can I hear that around me? You can hear the sniffling. <laughs> I look over to Erin and she looks at me and just her eyes are just completely glassed over. But she, she was fighting it. So with me, like the father-son dynamics are what, what hit home. Um, so there were definitely those moments of that. with Where you felt your heart, ki- like the tiny little marble you have in there kind of like <laughs> shimmer a little bit. Uh, yes. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, it just goes back to those performances. Yeah, um, they just did, this movie was riddled with brilliant performances. Yeah. Even the illustrator, I can't yeah. remember the guy, um, the name of the actor that played him. Like he didn't have a huge role in it, but he, I loved the balance that he gave A. a. Milne's character because mm-hmm. he essentially was like, "You're not alone in this. Like, you're what you're going through is something that we've all experienced." Yeah, uh, C- Stephen Campbell Moore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's done a bunch of BBC. Stuff because BBC has the same twelve actors for everything. I Seriously. love it. Which is why when you're like Donald Gleeson was in Harry Potter, and I was like, Kelly Brown was in Harry Potter. Oh wait, almost <laughs> everyone every was in Harry Potter. Potter. <laughs> they yeah. pulled from the archives for that. Uh, yeah. When um, Bill Nye he just showed up in Harry Potter, I was like, I can't. <laughs> just because, yeah. You're just, just here. Just You're here to be here, and I'm okay. <laughs> yep. Um. So the thing that when we leave the theater at these press screenings, and there's a studio rep who wants to hear our thoughts and everything. The first thing I told them, call your parents, because this movie, man, it just, it plays on those dynamics, plays on the father-son stuff, and it just, it made me, I was like, I just want to call my family, I find that really dad. interesting, the like, way that you phrase that. Call your parents? Yeah, because if anything, I would see it as parents call your kids. Ooh, yeah. Well, I just have that connection. Yeah, like, but just... like, but it's interesting that you phrase it that way just mm-hmm. because in my mind, like watching that whole film, that whole mm-hmm. film was about a parent's decisions and how it impacted an entire kid's life. Mm-hmm. So parents, call your kids. That also. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Hug them. Love them. Or just call them. <laughs> yeah. Or just call to talk. Confirm um, their existence. And yeah, going into this movie, I really did not 
know as mm-hmm. much of the backstory. I mean, of course, I remember the books and, you know, the animation, but. This wasn't about the books, though. Like, that was the thing. Is like, yeah, there's so, the, the there was more behind. about the inspiration to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that was that was interesting. It starts off in a very Quentin Tarantino-esque fashion in a flash forward. And then you start the movie. With me, I had no idea that there was going to be a different reveal later in the movie. So, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just like Kelly McDonald's I char- you, Sarah and I both knew, but we were both still just like. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so just like, you know, some of the other plot details in the movie, like Kelly McDonald's characters, those were new to me. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> uh, Dad jokes. I uh, love it. Um, okay. So to the rating system for this podcast and in for case any you're movie. New. Hey, in case. Oh, yeah, I have said this also before. <clears throat> Next time I'm going to say it. <laughs> Stan Lee has talked about every comic book is someone's first comic book. So if this is your first time listening to the About to Review podcast, there's a rating system on this podcast that is the best rating system ever. There are only three choices, good, bad, or ugly. So good movie is something that gave you those feels, gave you the warm and fuzzies that you would recommend to somebody and experience. A bad was something that just did not really hate seeing. It was just did not live up to the potential. It bothered you. You would not recommend it. Ugly, just flat out, you would not recommend at all. You hated being in the theater. You hated the experience. So, Great life. <laughs> yeah. So for Goodbye, Christopher Robin, Aaron, what do you give this movie? I'm going to say good. Okay. Yeah, I definitely would say parents be wary of taking young little children. Agreed. Um, like if there's anybody under the age of like nine, I would say probably, yeah. probably be a little bit more wary of it. But I would definitely say it's... The way that I described it to my sister was, it's a delightful film. That is very accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So your rating is officially good? Yeah. I'd say, like, go on a rainy weekend. Mm, there you go. It's uh, delightful. For me, yeah, I mean, without knowing much of the story going into it, I, I had a pretty much blank slate. Um, Again, I know that Sarah was, like, super excited for it and could not wait for it. Uh, but this, yeah, I came in blank. So for me... The performances were solid. The music was great. Having those moments that you see in the books, there was a scene when Owl's Blue Door mm-hmm. gets, <laughs> gets... Owl's the best character, and he's the most underrated. He's my favorite. Uh, so at one point, like, you see Owl's Blue Door go by the tree. like, And it immediately it took me back, and I was like, oh. I, was, I remember those moments. There is a character missing, and I was actually a little bit... Inter- I was interested that they left it out. The rabbit? Rabbit wasn't in it at all. That is true. I wonder... Kanga and Rue make an appearance. Piglet's there. Eeyore, Tigger, and Winnie. But everybody... And I don't know and the original books. you don't see books. Owl. You right. just have the Owl's yeah. blue door. And you know, like, he talks about that's where Owl lives. But mm-hmm. you never... He, nobody ever talks about Rabbit. The cantankerous yeah. neighbor. And I wonder if that was something that was in the later books or something. I don't know. Like, I'll have I, to do research on it. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, yeah. So for me, goodbye, Christopher Robin. It gave me the feels. It warmed my heart. Uh, absolutely a good film. So... Yeah, it gets a good. Sweet. So, moving right along to a film that only I saw Thank uh, called The Snowman, directed by Thomas Alfredson. So, Aaron, mm. if I tell you about a movie mm-hmm. and a book series uh-huh. Uh-huh. that has political intrigue, Ooh. that has great detective work, mm-hmm. has some romance, some suspicion, a whodunit, would you want to see a movie like that? Sounds like Harry Potter. I'm totally in. Okay. Now imagine they take a book series that has all of those, mm-hmm. 11 books, 
over decades of all this stuff. They make a movie out of it. Oh. And none of those things are in it. Hmm. When has that happened besides almost every book series adaptation in Hollywood? Yeah. Okay. So, for The Snowman. This is based off a book series. A very, like, incredibly popular book series. You read series. any of the books? No. Uh, they're bigger in Norway, which is where they're from, but they are a global phenomenon. Uh, Eleven books. They... <laughs> Uh, they take place around the detective Harry Hole. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> True story. Is that like a translation issue, or is that what he's I have named? No oh idea. <laughs> I thought that the entire time. I was like, Oh my god! Was his name something? Is it pronounced differently in Norwegian? Like Harry Hole, like <laughs> something, but Harry Hole. Um, yeah. His middle name is Butt. <laughs> I like how it's like, uh, like I'm a twelve year old. Oh, These, all of the dose will never get old. Yeah. No. So <laughs> this is the synopsis from IMDB. Detective Harry Hole <laughs> investigates the disappearance of a woman whose pink scarf is found wrapped around an ominous looking snowman. What makes it ominous? Nothing. Like, like okay. why is it just, it's just a snowman woman? A snowman with a knife in its hand. Like what that, makes that it ominous? Pink scarf? Is not there. So, this... so wait, IMDb's description of the movie uh-huh. includes the pink scarf. Yeah. But the actual film does there not have a pink scarf. one scene, I think, that has a pink. They make it sound with that description that, like, that is what opens the case wide open or breaks it open. Like, yeah, like, that was the clue that told us that nope. Harry Butthole was on the case. Nope. Because where that pink scarf is in the movie, someone's has... head is on it. So it is not like on top of the snowman. On top of the actual snowman. So it is like oh, so but that's so then the right though. It's like it's an ominous snowman because it has somebody's head on it. You didn't answer my question when I said what makes it ominous. The, it has a human head on it. But the pink scarf is found like the what the pink scarf makes it. That is a huge red herring. That makes it sound like that is the linchpin that puts all together just be like but what it actually is is the linchpin that keeps the head on the snowman not even that like the the titular snowman that the, the this movie is called that you see multiple times nothing is ever solved with it it's just there, there is no reason yeah there's no reason for it and they creepily pan to it a couple times so there would be this murder scene right and they take the camera and they pan slowly up to the window and there's a snowman outside that is facing the house. With a human head on it. Nope. Just, just a regular, regular one. Okay. There's only one that actually has a human head on it. And it's quite ominous. Well, yeah, because it's like the bottom <laughs> of a well. And it was like... How is a snowman existing at the bottom of a well? Because, exactly. Oh, that is one of the many things that goes unexplained in this film. So... This film you didn't consult a scientist. One of the biggest things that I have an issue with, and I have done episodes on book to movie adaptations before. If this is a book series that has been going on for a long time, that millions of people, tens of millions of people have read. Get it right. Not only that, start from the beginning. There are going <coughs> to be Dark people, Tower. <coughs> and I made that compare. Actually, no, I took that out of my review that I posted. But it was I said similar to Dark Tower. If you're putting out a movie. That is about a book series, and you start with book five. What are you doing? So this movie, or rather, the most of the things that happen in this movie are from book seven out of eleven. 
So, but I guess since I haven't read the series, I'm wondering mm-hmm. whether or not like what do you want books one through six deal with? Just other case? Like is each book yeah. a different case? Pretty much. Okay. So then they just chose a story out of a group of stories then. But which would be fine. Unless Except they're when using. you have layered context within this movie. He, that so, plays off of things that were in the beginning that part none of, of us the know about. So, Detective Harry Hole, uh, <laughs> uh, played by Michael Fassbender, has all these idiosyncrasies and has these issues. He is an alcoholic. He is kind of popping some pills, and they constantly refer to him as this legendary detective. Well, it's probably he's drinking and popping pills because his name is Harry Hole. Right. Uh, but part of it is like, why build all of that up? Like when yeah. there are when multiple people, yeah, when multiple people interact with him, they're like, we studied your oh, cases. Yeah. We did this. But and like, you have no idea what no context. About. Yeah. We never see a picture of him. They, they mention in one of the scenes are like, oh, like in case studies, when we we're researching you, the pictures of you with all the medals on your chest, blah, blah. Like, so he is this established super detective with that no we context. never know about. So it is like, <clears throat> what? You were just taking that you know are from earlier cases and earlier things. Like there are other movies, there are movies that do this right. right. Like I, I was very upset with it for a very long time that they started Lord of the Rings without the Hobbit because the Hobbit is one of my favorite yep. books of all time. I okay. used to read it every single year, so I was really upset when they started off with Fellowship. Mm-hmm. But they gave accurate context yes, to Bilbo and how the ring was, or like sort of how the ring was originally mm-hmm. acquired. Then when they went back and redid The Hobbit, that's a whole other discussion. First movie, yeah. and it just trickled. Mm-hmm. But this they did it right by starting, quote unquote, in the middle of a series because it was a separate series but within the same exactly. universe. And yep. it was like – it was a ripple effect. So there are some series that can do this well. But you sure. have to give proper context or at least flashbacks or something exactly. that, that sets that up. Yeah, like, like, like pictures on a mantle, something. Exactly. Yeah. Show him – yeah, like in his apartment – Show that a couple of the pictures and like have him newspaper clipping. Do one something. of the things that they is a total trope, but have him come home drunk and upset about a case, see the picture on the mantle and flip it down. Yeah. Because he is a Or look at it and like throw it across the room. Something. Not yeah, so none a of that trigger. happens. Um speaking of trigger, mm. so within the first like fifteen minutes of this film, when we're introduced to this character and he goes into his apartment and he the door's kind of ajar. And it builds up this suspense of like... How is the door ajar? Ajar. Uh, so he goes inside and he's kind of like you know sulk, skulking around just being like, is somebody here? Picks out his gun from a cabinet. Naturally. I mean, because he's a detective. Like, I get it. Sure. He hears something behind him and he whips around and just fires and just shoots. Hits some pillows like a few feet away. There is a man standing like 15 feet away from him. In a hazmat suit because he was trying to get some mold out and he had headphones on. Whatever. A repairman that was there because he was in his employ. (laughs) Right. But this guy just whips around and fires in the general direction. So the kind of person that you'd want having a gun. It just... But it made... Again, it made no sense whatsoever. And and then after he gets the attention of the guy and he was like, oh, I'm here to get rid of the mold, blah, blah. No mention. He's like, ignore that bullet hole in the pillow to your left. Yeah. Nothing is like, whoa, did you just try and shoot me? Like, why do you have a gun in your hand? What is happening? No, it's just like, hey, we're in Norway. Everyone has guns that shoots pillows. We're good. Sup, Harry Hole. So weird. And a lot of the cast is Norwegian. Mm -hmm. Except for... Michael Fassbender and a couple of people. And he is, but... Um, J.K. Simmons is in this for about 10 minutes 
in a storyline that makes no sense and goes nowhere because it feels like, like a lot of this movie makes no sense and goes nowhere because it, what it feels like is they drew from those books and crammed it into one movie without giving us the benefit of knowing who they are and why we should care yeah and so in a there's no development then n- no in a book if i'm reading it uh like dan brown is one of my favorite brown. authors except for inferno i hate inferno i actually um, hated the da vinci code book mm. really enjoyed the movie Fell in love with the Angels and Demons book first. Okay. Really hated the movie. Yeah. Well, and like some of his other ones, like Digital Fortress mm-hmm. and stuff. So I have all of his stuff. He is an author where if he throws in a character, you can at least give a couple chapters throughout and kind of weave it in and be like, all right, cool. This movie tries to do that with J.K. Simmons and have him kind of weaving Peppers through. And through. But none of like nothing happens. You never, you never see what happens to him. His story does not go anywhere. Val Kilmer is in this, and I have to say, it broke my heart. Like he doesn't look good. It is it like it was it was painful. Like he is in rough shape. Um, we love you, Val. Yeah, and like and his dialogue was overdubbed. Um, oh. maybe because he had some dentures. Like it was just it was hard to like it was actually hard to watch. And again, his character is better developed but still missing it's just so weird um the script writing is garbage in one scene you have michael fassbender interacting with another detective michael fassbender is like can i have this no can i have this yeah sure scene that was it all of us like all of us are laughing at this moment like this should not be I remember seeing all of your guys afterward, and you guys were like i was like oh so i'm really glad i missed this one <laughs> it was just weird because in a movie that takes place in norway with the predominantly norwegian cast when they're listening to music within the movie it is in norwegian and everyone is speaking english why not like did did they really think that this is going to be like a huge global blockbuster if not put a norwegian Girl with a dragon tattoo. Yeah. They did that in a native language first. And, and then everyone eventually, loved it. Yeah. And then people were like, all right, we can remake that, blah, blah. Yeah. And everybody still watches the original because so it's better. put it in like yeah. that. It bothers me when they do that. As much as I love the movie The Mask of Zorro with Antonio Banderas and Catherine Newta-Jones, put it in Spanish. Because it takes place. In so <laughs> it just, it no, would in make. Mexico, in Mexico. In Mexico, yeah. Yeah. So that was just kind of weird. Absolutely gorgeous cinematography. Like breathtaking cinematography, like the it's Norwegian, Norway, yeah. yeah, Norwegian landscapes were incredible. Norway and Finland are on my bucket list. I want to go so badly. Yeah, well, from Seattle to Iceland, you can do Seattle to Reykjavik. Iceland for like Iceland's been on my bucket. Four hundred bucks. Yeah, no, they've Super dropped prices. Cheap. I'm just because yeah. it's on my bucket list to see Northern Lights. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know if can do that. I know that. I can do it in <laughs> Alaska, but when is exotic about going to Alaska? Oh, fair enough. Um, but yeah, so gorgeous cinematography. Uh, what? I just I just had a, such a hard time with this movie, and as it kept going, I'm turning to the people around me, and all of us are laughing, and we we're like, "This isn't supposed to be a comedy." No, like, what is this happening? The blatant reshoots that took place in one from one scene to another. Michael Fassbender's hair completely changes. He has a mustache, and in the next scene, he does not. It was it was rough, and this is from the director himself. He gave an interview on Vulture, and he said, "Quote." Our shoot time in Norway was way too short. We didn't get the whole story with us, and when we started cutting, we discovered that a lot was missing. <laughs> How does that happen? And especially when you When can, we were cutting, like, we that, discovered. 
and there were already reshoots. You can tell there are reshoots. So that means yeah. once you got back to the editing bay and you're like, all right, uh, we need this scene. They're like, uh, what, what, scene? What, what scene was that? Like, you guys did not feel it. It was incredible. The oversight. Someone else was drinking and popping those pills. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the MacGuffins in this film is this new technology where ideally it actually makes sense. And I think in a book, it probably is described really well. So imagine a laptop type situation where if I go to a new case or a new scene of a crime, it takes pictures, it takes video, I can set it on the table, interview the witnesses, mm -hmm. right there, it automatically uploads, sounds great. According device linked to a cloud. Right. It is a giant suitcase. Okay. And at one point, which is fine because it has like, it is a laptop essentially. At one point, the character who carries around the giant suitcase, briefcase, wants to spy on somebody so she takes this briefcase puts it on the shelf and as she like walks away it zooms in on the camera and it was like nobody's going to walk into their apartment and be like where did this giant briefcase like, come from in the world of gopros and everything we're like smaller cameras are getting incredible uh, video i mean it's got to put everything on its processor and upload they don't have that kind of money in finland it, it, no. it was so dumb in norway excuse me i feel like this was like anybody who is old like me remembers when connie chung got fired as a reporter because she essentially had a bag shooting video of somebody without their permission yeah. this is that it is exactly that and it is supposed to be this big technological advance made no sense whatsoever um this movie sounds like a delight Can't uh, what are what are my other notes here music was awful like it just seems like it was just cut like when they were cutting the film... It seems film, like almost all of this movie was just cut. <laughs> when they... Well, originally, it was supposed to be directed by Martin Scorsese. He stepped down, or not necessarily stepped down, but stepped away and just became a producer. Other stuff was going on. You know, it happens. For a very clear reason, it seems. So when Thomas Alfred then picked it up, like, it... Yeah. It, it was a mess from Maybe beginning Martin to end. Maybe Martin will redo it in a couple of years. Who knows? Yeah. But, like, do it in Norwegian then. Like, do the same movie... Well, not the same movie. Start at one. Start at book one. Let us know who these characters are. I don't understand why people wouldn't do that anyway. Yeah. Because it's like that gives you the roadmap for potentially making a ton more money. Absolutely. If you do number one and you know that this is a global, like, well, like, you know, best-selling mm -hmm. series, like, start with one. Like, even if you combine books one, two, and three or one and two yep. into one film. Like, if you have a growing audience base and mm -hmm. you know that you did that film well and you gave it time, like, I feel like so much of this is rushed yep. when people do this because, like, I want to capitalize on how, like, how excited people are for this series. Like, there are so many things that I wish that they had done differently with Harry Potter. But I get it, mm -hmm. you know, trying to capitalize on this. But I'm also sitting here going, like, this is a series that I will read to my children for the rest of my lives. And if yep. my future children do not read it to their children, I will haunt them from the grave. <laughs> so it's like, you, like, this series isn't going anywhere. You'll turn into Moaning Myrtle and, you know. Like, but it's, but at the same time, it's like, you know, like, look at, okay, Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. How long has that been around? And they just did the series. Like, there's no rush yeah. for a really well done book series because you will have book nerds like myself. I will be in a wheelchair, you know, or a walker or an assisted living center. And I will force somebody to go, go take me to see Harry Potter if it came out when I was 90. Like, yeah. 
it's not going to change for those of us that are fans. So why would they produce, write, direct, cut apparently three quarters of a movie together in like a year when it's like you have time, like develop, and this, invest. This finished filming. It just so, shows disrespect in my opinion for toward sure. both the authors and the fans. Yeah. In movies, and this happens all the time, when you wrap filming, you then have a couple months of editing. It, it happens. This wrapped, and this has no special effects. Yeah. None. This wrapped over a year ago. So they should have just, like, scrapped <laughs> so, I mean, make this into a short film. I mean, blame global warming. Say that your time was cut short because there wasn't enough ice in Norway. Like, that, well, that don't. Is, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, John, is this a good, bad, or an ugly? Uh, <laughs> so let me just make sure I got all my notes. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh this film was ugly. Really? I thought you were going to say bad. This film is absolutely trash. Um, this vaulted to the number two spot on my list. <gasps> oh. Worst movie of the year, only behind Transformers The Last Night. Transformers The Last Night is flat out one of the worst movies I have ever seen. Snowman is just a terrible movie. Like, it is not up there with, like, the worst I've ever seen. It just, it, it fails. That's how I felt about The Mummy. Uh, that is in my top five, I would say. For this year. Yeah, for this year. Um, but this movie, it just, it was awful. It made no sense. We do not get a chance to learn anything about these characters. You didn't leave with anything but a bad taste in your mouth. Absolutely. One of the other dumb moments. So in this police uh, hall, I guess, I get it. It is a library, essentially, I think, in the police building. Uh, each of the detectives has, like, has their own little desk and a filing cabinet underneath. Which they show more than once somebody locking. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. You are in, in the, the police. police station. Right. So Michael Fassbender at one point goes in there uh, and he is looking around her desk trying to find something. So what he does, he looks at the filing cabinet, spins it around, slides the panel off the <laughs> back and gets everything he needs from inside. Smart. <laughs> like what? I mean, not even... He did not pick Ignoring a lock. Ignoring all the preset rules that nope. they have for this cabinet. Yep. Did not even, did not unscrew anything. Literally just slid, slid the off. back for, off of like a $20 Ikea shelf. <laughs> I mean, it well, was. Well, it is in Norway, so it very well could have been <laughs> Ikea. It was, it was so weird. Swedish brand. Um, one of the most exciting things about this movie, though, is that somebody almost got kicked out of the theater. <gasps> what happened? Right? So, let me tell you about that, because it was exciting. <laughs> So in these, if you're listening, person, we'd love to get you in here for an interview. <laughs> at press screenings and advanced screenings, obviously you cannot be on your phone. We are seeing this in advance of its release. Duh, they tell you that on every, like even if it is a press when only you walk screening, in and before the movie starts. Yeah, if there are ten of us, fifteen of us at a press only screening, they still have to tell us that. We know the rules, but so during this movie. Somebody like 10 rows in front. Was it one of us or? No, no. Because uh, this is a, a general advanced screening. So somebody like 10 rows ahead just pulls out their phone. And not like, you know, holds like it. Like hiding it under yeah, your holds sweater it close or, or whatever. Like, yeah. Basically holds it up at like eye level and is looking at it. And not just to check the time, like scrolling through a website. Like, and is on it for a good 30 seconds. And all of us are like, what is he? So we all look down the direction. The studio rep was always in there. And... You know, he puts it away, and we're like, all right, cool, whatever. Not even joking, 10 minutes later, pulls it out again, and is scrolling through stuff. The studio rep drops her uh, notepad, and almost like, oh, snap, go
goes around him, like tries to get around people um, and like lets him know. She was like, you know, you cannot do this, blah, blah, does not do it again. But it was like, what are you doing? And but that was the most exciting part of this entire movie watching experience was being like, ooh, somebody's actually going to get kicked out. And then they did it. And it no. was as disappointing as the film was. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure much will be as disappointing <laughs> as the film was. But it was just we have two more months left in the year. True. Uh, and the director, like Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, like you, I, ex- he, I expected more. Yeah. He knows he did let the right one in another movie that takes place in Scandinavia in a different language that they then remade. Trust us. Trust the audience. Put it in the native language of the source material. We can read. It's fine. We got it. And if you alienate 20% of your audience because they do not want to watch captions, you will also have a huge fan base that is dying to go see a movie in its right. original context. Yep. So. so absolutely <clears throat> atrocious film. Uh, a Ooh, lot of people. U-G- <laughs> can yeah. you like backtrack? U-G-L-Y. <laughs> I had people when I posted that I was seeing it, they're like, oh, I've been looking forward to it. I told them afterwards how I felt, and they were like, what happened? you had the option to go see a movie that's getting rave reviews right now, too. That probably was, like, even made it, like, the sting a little bit harder, as you could have seen Florida, and you didn't. Yeah, the Florida Project was the same night. That was our second screening of it, because the... And I've heard nothing but great things about it. I have literally yet to hear one negative review. Yep. So, my bad. I made the wrong choice. Chose the snowman. I regret that decision. It was ugly. The ominous snowman. Yeah. All right. Getting away from that. Um, okay. So to the next movie, this indie darling uh, called Columbus. Now, this movie stars John Cho, uh, Haley Lou Richardson, Parker Posey, and then some other, like, some other just other people that are not as recognizable. Except as soon as one of them was on the screen, I was like, that looks like a Culkin. It was. It was yep. Rory Culkin. <laughs> that whole family. You talk about, like, They all genetics. look the same. Um, Michelle Forbes is in this also, who I absolutely love. She was on Battlestar Galactica. Uh, this is the synopsis, and then we can talk about it because it, this is another interesting one. So, a Korean-born man finds himself stuck in Columbus, Indiana, where his architect father is in a coma. The man meets a young woman who wants to stay in Columbus with her mother, a recovering addict, instead of pursuing her own dreams. I find it fascinating when... They do these synopsises, synopsisi, synopsis, anyway, synopsises. Uh, that one gets like a solid understand. You're like, you're like, oh, okay. Gives you foundation, yeah. Th- this makes sense. It, 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 it controls the plot lines. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, that is kind of what happens. John Cho's character is, yeah, the son who ends up going to this town where his father is this, not world renowned necessarily. Well but known. Very, very well known. Uh, professor of architecture and author and similar to the snowman where everywhere he goes and the people who interact with him once they find out who he is they're like oh what was it like growing up or more like christopher robin actually like you know what was it like growing up with your dad and all these things and he's just over they have an estranged relationship haven't talked in a year and he lives in korea and flew like he flew from seoul Mm -hmm. to be there for his father yeah so again, it had some father-son dynamics, but you never in, meet in the, the yeah in the way that you never really meet the father, and you only are, hear one side of a story essentially. Yeah, um, that being of John Cho's character. So right off the top, <clears throat> this is uh, speaking of the director. So the director is Koganata. This is his first film. 
Uh, he has done some video essays, which is actually how he became a filmmaker. He was a, he was in academia, was doing these film essays about Quentin Tarantino and Kubrick, and would put these out there. And through that, realized I want to make my own film. I want I want to be a part of that process and control that process. I will say, for a first time director, it was shot really really, really well. well. Yeah. Um, and what was interesting is that there were no steady cam shots, no handheld shots. That camera was rooted to the ground in every shot, which made sense because when framing this movie with, you know, architecture and everything, there are shots of just architectural imagery and some clouds rolling over it. But that camera is bolted to the ground. But it makes sense. It forces you to focus on whatever's on A singular screen, point, yeah. As opposed to what almost all movies are doing these days. Where it is that handheld Movement, style. You know, steady cam shots and, yeah. you know, running down the street or following a car. Exactly. So with this, it is straight on all the time. What did you feel about this one, Aaron? As far as like, do you feel that the characters? So Haley Lou Richardson um, is the girl that was mentioned, plays, she plays Casey, who kind of is gave up on going to college because she's dealing with her mom, Michelle Forbes, in this weird, not weird, but... She's very overprotective, but it is the daughter overprotective of the mom who thinks that she is for the right reason. Yeah, incredibly dependent on her. But yeah, what, what were your thoughts on on Columbus? <clears throat> so I have a question for you first. Okay. So you specifically recommended that I watch this because you said you believe it to be right up my alley. Uh huh. I would be very interested to know as to why you believe it is up my alley, or if you just were secretly saying you needed somebody else to talk about this on the show with. So watch this film. Not at all. I thought that you would like this because of the almost subdued romance in it. Because there is there is some juxtaposition. There is some emotion, some feeling, and some compassion in this film. Going into it, I did not know that there would be less of that than initially um, perceived. But yeah, I mean, I was thinking that, yeah, along those lines, has a romance. It has, It is really well shot. It is an indie film I'm trying to help, you know, get some more indie love out there. But yeah, that was why. Now tell me why I was wrong. <laughs> I'm not going to say that you're wrong um, because I don't think that it was, it wasn't like a terrible movie. Mm -hmm. I, my actual favorite part about it was the way that it was shot mm -hmm. um, because the whole movie is about parallels within the human experience. So right. it shows a lot of, like you said, juxtaposition between what somebody's experience is, even in something as simple as taking a shower or getting ready with your morning routine mm -hmm. versus somebody else's. And so, you know, it, it has parallels between parent and child relationships mm -hmm. There was just a lot of awkwardness that I felt in this film, though. Um, some of it felt very natural, and mm -hmm. I always appreciate natural awkwardness, like between Absolutely. her and the uh, Culkin kid. Right, like Rory there Culkin was a lot of Gabriel. like, um, like I like you, but I don't think that I like you. But I enjoy spending time with you. Mm -hmm. But you're also like a snobby prick who thinks he yeah. knows a lot more than he actually does. Mm -hmm. And then there was a perceived romance between Parker Posey and John Cho, and that mm -hmm. was that was super awkward because that it was that like a kiss, and she was like, we can't do this. That was, and so, she, but it was right after she told him that he looked exactly like his dad at that moment. So then my brain's like, so were you like peeping it with his dad on the side too? Because you're married, so. Well, and Parker Posey I plays, love her. Plays, I love oh, yeah, her so absolutely. Much. Uh, plays his dad's kind of assistant. We're I feel kind of like led to she believe. was. I feel like she was like his intern, 
because she says in the beginning of the movie, like, I owe that man so much. So mm-hmm. she, I know she lives in a separate city with her husband and her kids and her job. So it sounded more like like he was her, her mentor for the longest time. And that's why they kind of grew up together because she was talking. She talked about, like, seeing him raised as a kid. And mm-hmm. she's like, at the very beginning, she goes, I can't believe how big you are now. Like, you're such an adult. And then she talks about how when they when he was younger, like, he confessed his, lo- his love for mm-hmm. her and stuff like that. So I feel like... Because of the age difference, it was more like she was his mentee, like his father's okay. mentee. Um, and so they spent so much time together, whether it be through dissertations and everything like that. Um, I, I, yeah, th- th- those I don't think that I would ever feel like there was any romance in this film, though. I would never say that anything was more than maybe even just a light crush or an inkling toward feeling something for someone. Maybe not romance, but passion. I don't even know if it's that because it felt very lackluster. Even her appreciation mm. for architecture was like the closest you got to passion when she was just like, this is like on my top five list of favorite mm-hmm. places in the city. But even the way that she talks about it she, and John Cho kind of calls her out about it. He's yep. like, you know, you're just reciting facts to me right now. I can what look all this actually up. Like, mean? what does this make you yep. feel? Like, how does this move you? Mm-hmm. And I love that. He, I love the phrasing that he used specifically of how does this move you? Because he's talking about a building. Yeah. That literally cannot move. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what? How does this this steady structure move you personally? And so, I I don't know. I I really don't feel like I connected to any of the characters here. Um, okay. And I think that was more to the script and the cutting of the film than anything else. Mm-hmm. But I did love. I loved the way that it was shot because I lo- I love singular shots. Like yeah. I, I really do. And I felt like a lot of them were done very purposefully. Like I never felt like anything was a waste of a shot. Which I mm-hmm. loved. I appreciated that. Um, I don't know. I just I I just don't think I ever really felt connected to any of the characters. Like I don't feel like any of them were expressing any genuine. Um, I don't want to say genuine emotion because I felt like there were times where like John Cho plays a really good pissed off kid. Definitely. Like he plays a really good just mm-hmm. kid that's not I don't even want like pissed off isn't the right word. Like frustratingly disappointed, I think yeah. is the best way to s- describe it. And he did a really great job with the script he was given. Mm-hmm. Um and I felt like Well, especially when you have characters being like, Your dad is awesome, your dad is this and yeah, this. And he's, and he's like, like great, because he was never that way for me. So yep. kudos to you for knowing a different man than I did. Yeah. Similar to Christopher Robin, like yeah. we talked about. So so I, I mean, I wouldn't say that this is a terrible movie. I would say that if you're interested in indie films and you want to be a part of up and coming directors, I would definitely say this is someone to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just personally didn't feel very connected to the film. Okay. I did like that she works in a library, though. She definitely does. Um, the shot selection and the editing, like you're mentioning, was phenomenal. Like especially for an indie film, it just this is kind of that roadmap. For, for indie filmmaking, uh, I really like the the transitions. You know, granted, you know, sometimes it was maybe not harsh. That is not the right word, but it would clunky go. Clunky kind yeah, of. Yeah, a little bit clunky yeah. between like it would go from the daughter and mom to then the a, stat- yeah, a static yeah. shot of, you know, a chair in John's or hotel room. Or somebody like skateboarding down an alleyway that had yeah. nothing to do with them whatsoever. Yeah. So I, I like that because it, it was almost as if it was taking the city of Columbus, Indiana and making it a character. And showing these places and these alleyways that just go to, you know, establish that. That build the aesthetic, yeah. Yeah. So that was really cool. Um, The lack of dialogue was also interesting. There were multiple times, I can think of three, characters are talking to each other and having an interaction. The movie is silent. Mm -hmm. And there's a very small, not small, very low volume score 
underneath it. And part of it was like, because I was watching a screener copy of this, I was like, did is it everything okay? Then I realized it was completely intentional. And mm-hmm. almost every time, it, actually every time it happens, there is a physical barrier in the way. Mm-hmm. There's always glass in the way. So with one of the buildings, they're having this conversation, John Cho and uh, Haley Lou Richardson. And it goes to the inside of the building. And you see them talking, have no idea what they're talking about. And you have to just kind of be in that moment mm-hmm. and just respond to what they're doing. Another one is when they're in the car. They're in the car. They're talking. And at one point, the camera is then outside of the car. They're You're looking, looking in through the driver yeah, looking window and then through the glass the window, yeah. and not hearing anything. So that is a bold choice. <laughs> like, I think he made some really strong artistic choices in this. Now, do I think that this was wise for maybe his first like directorial debut? Probably not because I feel like it will hmm. be lost on some people. Interesting. Um, but I don't know. Like you said, we watched a screener copy of it. Um, I don't feel like any of his choices were – bad choices so it's not like i felt like any of these are like oh i would have done that differently or oh mm-hmm. why did he do that like you said they were all very intentional decisions mm-hmm. absolutely i just don't know whether or not an audience there's a reason that i this work did you not... know i work through thoughts as i talk to you so right. it's like i'm trying to figure out the words that i want to convey this because i don't want to say like an audience is too dumb to understand those choices but i feel like there wasn't there weren't other aspects of this film that that highlight the intentional choices he made, if that makes sense. Like, I don't feel like the dialogue had enough depth for me to realize, like, there's no score for a reason. Like with Dunkirk, Mm. we talked about it. Like, there there was almost, there were barely any dialogue. So much more of it was in body language, in Mm -hmm. motion, in Mm -hmm. the action of what was happening. Like, there was very intentional decisions. And because of how high the stakes were, in what we were dealing with, we understood the intention behind the choices that he made. I don't yeah. feel like there was anything in this movie of great enough depth or high enough stakes for me to really grasp the intentional decisions that he made with things like that. Okay. Does that I mean, make sense? Yeah, and those are valid. I think for the core audience for this film, this is not going to play at your big art or your big AMC theaters. Yeah. This is going to play in the small art house theater a couple miles away. So I think because of that, the audience who generally goes to indie films and those smaller theaters, this will be right up there. Yeah, it'll there. land. Yeah, this will hit for them. And those things that you mentioned, which are valid, I think with the core audience for this yeah. film, are they're just going to roll with it. So, uh, yeah, the focus on dialogue also is interesting because it reminded me of some of Kevin Smith's films mm-hmm. where there were long scenes – or it's just them talking. Just, again, the camera is bolted to right the ground. Right in their face, yeah. <laughs> and it, and it's just, just it was going. So that was really cool. I'm always a big fan of that. Good performances. I they were genuine. Um, the performances were all, I think, genuine and authentic. Mm-hmm. Even if some of them were not as developed. It felt very know. much like this is the conversation I would have with a girl I went to high school with. Or like a college right. grad at the library. Like I didn't feel like it, nothing felt forced or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like it did feel natural. I just like you said, like I didn't feel like anything was as developed as I would have liked. Right. Okay. Uh yeah. I mean that so that one is gonna be again, not necessarily tough to see. It will be on video on demand soon. The Blu-ray hits, I think, uh in a couple months. Um but yeah. So to the rating <laughs> for Columbus, directed by Koganata, starring John Cho and Haley Lou Richardson. Aaron, what do you give Columbus? I'm going to give it a bad only because, like I said, I personally didn't feel very connected to the film. Okay. Um, 
but I feel like this is, like you said, for a very a, a, a choice audience, this mm-hmm. will land. So I know that like I will be one of few, and I don't know, it could have been the mindset that I was at when I watched it, mm-hmm. but I personally didn't feel very connected to the film. I enjoyed the characters. I thought the script was well written. I enjoyed the performances given by it, but there's I wanted more from it, and I felt like I could have gotten more from the relationships between the characters, especially because it ends with Parker finally meeting her and mm-hmm. driving her to her future in Whatever a car where she ne- like she just met that guy like mm-hmm. what a week or two before yeah. all of this essentially takes place over the course of what I would guess is about a month yeah. maybe Something like that yeah um month like on the long end mm-hmm. and I was like and she just got in the car and drove to a different state with these three people I'm like I want to know how was the road trip like did you mm-hmm. stop it did you stop and get snacks what snacks did you get like <laughs> right. I just I wanted a little bit more development in the relationship side of things okay uh, for me, I think because of the performances, the shot selection, I I watch a ton of indie films. I love supporting indie film. This hits home with all of those indie vibes. Again, oh, goes back 100%. to that, that core audience is there. This will land for a lot of them. Uh, I definitely give this a good. Um, I enjoyed it. There, there were some, again, interesting choices. I hate that the options are good, bad, and ugly because I don't mm-hmm. like bad is my neutral. Like, it's not like I am. Hey, I don't make the rules. Yes, you do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so it was, it was, it was solid. I think you brought up a good point. Also, I want to see more from this director. Yeah, I, I want to see kind of what he does next. If he chooses, how he to, takes the feedback from this and, yeah. and melts with it. And if he if he does another, you know, drama with focus on dialogue and everything like. If that is his style, I'm interested to see kind of what that next project is going to be. So, yeah, so, so it is a good for me. Fantastic. Uh, so that wraps up for those movies. So, goodbye, Christopher Robin. We both gave a good, gave us all the feels. Uh, your tiny little marble. Call your parents, and parents, parents call, call your, your children. Uh, Snowman. I cannot say this enough. Oscar winner. Ugly. Oscar winner absolutely atrocious film that makes no sense whatsoever uh it, it do you think it would have made more sense if you were drunk no oh dang it no uh it it hurt me it hurt my heart to see val kilmer physically assaulted uh to see val kilmer just how he is right now so maybe some of it was makeup maybe some of it was a weird like don't make excuses yeah but that that, that hurt like it was just it was hard to watch um jk simmons is just a super creeper in this movie at one point, so he is talking to one of the main characters, and she's like, oh, blah, like, kind of, like, she was flirting for a purpose. And he looks her dead in the face and was like, hmm, takes his phone, takes a picture of her, and then walks away. <laughs> and you're like, uh, and then somebody comes up and do, did the whole, like, you know, he's in room 224, you know, gives him the card. She's like, okay. The camera turns. J.K. Simmons is, like, standing half exposed by a wall five feet away from her, just staring at her. And then just slowly backs away. And it was like, <laughs> what? Oh it was just weird. Snowman was terrible. So ugly. Uh, and then. I don't even know how to process what for, you just told me. For Columbus, Aaron gave it a bad, kind of her middle ground. I gave um, it a beige. I gave it a beige. Nope. No. Um, <laughs> Two shades of beige that, is that, my life. That is our skin tone, not a rating on this podcast. <laughs> uh, and then I give it a good. It was, it was an indie film. Uh, that, yeah, it, it had emotion and depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not for, enough for me. Sure. Uh, for some upcoming things. So <laughs> in, in the next week, 
Uh, actually, well, one of them I don't think we can talk about. No, we can't. Um, but uh, one of but the things that I will be doing My soon... dance song is out of excitement. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see my dance, but no, it's happening. That is true. Uh, tomorrow, well, we're recording this on Sunday, but uh, I'm going to a local VR studio, Daily Magic Productions. Uh, I met them at 6th, the Seattle Indies Expo. And we want. I wanted to work something out, get on the podcast, could not end up doing it. Saw her get a geek girl con, <laughs> tried to work something out. Uh, essentially, I will be going to this VR studio, and I get to play a bunch of video games and interview the creators. I've talked to you about my thoughts on <laughs> VR. It's just really dangerous for me. <laughs> yeah, well, yes. I get too invested. Yeah. Well, especially the types of games. <laughs> the types of games that they do. Like, there was one that is a puzzle room in Ooh. VR. Yeah. So well, that might give me a panic attack, but at the same time, ooh. Mm-hmm. So it should be really cool. I'm looking forward to working with uh, Daily Magic like something Productions. something like Portal? Uh, kind of. Because that's one of the few video games that I absolutely loved. I love really? Portal. Portal yeah. was great. Oh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love getting an email being like, hey, John, we met at this place, this place. Want to come to the studio games? and play video games? And I'm like, hmm. For the record, everybody send him these emails. Seriously. <laughs> and I did this before uh, last year with Inverse Studios. Oh, nice. Another VR studio. So, yeah, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, We're seeing Suburbicon this week and another movie that we cannot actually say that we are seeing. Uh, But it comes out in two weeks. Vague, vague, vague. Um, But, yeah, so those are some upcoming things for me. Do you have anything upcoming, any new pieces that you're working on writing for your website, AaronHeadley.com? I'm working on a couple of journal pieces about um, mental health. Okay. Uh, so writing lately has been a little bit hard for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a lot of mental blocks since I came back from my trip to the UK. Uh, a lot of stuff going on right now. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom officially moved up here. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I've been helping her and everything. And Seattle like, welcomed her. Yeah. With, <laughs> with a lot of rain. A lot, <laughs> a lot of, of rain. rain. Um, and she came from California. So it's <laughs> it's very different. But um, working a couple of different writing pieces, particularly about mental health and Life in Seattle, especially with all of that lovely rain and what that does to mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, my Etsy shop is back up and running now yes, that I've uh, come back from the UK and had a little bit of time to decompress. So people are already getting a jump start on Christmas decals, which mm-hmm. I love because they're like my favorite to make because there's only like 64 days and live until Christmas. Oh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, it's, you know, buzz, 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 you know, my day job is still in existence sometimes that's right. sad sometimes not so i had to pay bills somehow mm-hmm. but um yeah no it's great um things are going really well i'm just trying to find that balance find that routine again mm-hmm. and it's just <laughs> struggling right now dude adulting is hard adulting is hard. so hard adulting's like math it's hard yeah uh my mom was in town for like we met up with her for like a hot minute today uh, as they're coming through town and just kind of just like, yeah, talking about life. And she's like, mm-hmm. how's work? And blah, blah, and all this stuff. And it was like, man, adulting is hard. Yeah. Like, why am I, why did I ever grow up? You know what? Yep. My childhood was wonderful. Growing up Growing was up the hard was, part. Yep. Perfect words from Christopher Robin. Goodbye, Christopher Robin. I mean, Billy Moon. Billy Moon. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, oh, the other thing is, recently I was on an episode of the Mundane Festival podcast with Chris Lamberth. Had a blast. Uh, it was one of the times when, like, I kind of opened up my shell a little bit talked about you know some personal stuff that i don't really talk about on on here so if you want to check that out uh i forgot what episode he is up to like episode 200 and something but it was the most recent episode that he dropped uh it was a lot of fun chris is a great guy and yeah if you want to learn more about the mystery behind that guy (laughs) named john uh you can do that 
So, Aaron, and where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, my strangely misspelled first name, which, by the way, I got berated by a Panera employee the other day Wait, because, what? yeah, um, so he didn't believe that that was how my name was spelled. So people, come I've on. heard my name has been mispronounced literally my whole life. Like I get Ernie, Irene, Irene, <laughs> like someone the other day asked if my name was Urine. Rude. Yeah. So he's like reading out the ticket to go and he's like, I, er, Ernie, Irene. And I was just like, it's Aaron, it's right here. And he goes, well, somebody didn't go to grammar school, thinking that it was the people up front that misspelled my name, like the cashier people. And so um, I was just like, I was like, it's Aaron, I'm right here. And he was like, he's like, gosh, he's like, this is a ridiculous spelling. How do they even think that this was going to be close to accurate? So I took my food from him and go, well, my parents did go to grammar school, so don't know what to tell you. And he goes, what do you mean? I was just like, that's my name. And he goes, he goes, oh, wait. This is actually how it's spelled? And I was just like, yep. And he, like, the thing is, is I was not, I don't want to say I wasn't trying to make somebody feel bad, but Mm -hmm. I'm I'm just, I'm so tired at this point that I'm just like, yep, that's my name. Like, I was just, I was very deadpan. Like, I wasn't like, you should feel like a horrible human right now. Mm -hmm. But he felt so, like, he literally could not stop apologizing. And I just wouldn't make eye contact with him at that point. Because I was just, well, I was with, and I was with my coworker, Steven. So, like, we were talking about it. And ironically, Every time I know somebody's about to try to pronounce my name, I see the <laughs> like the brain fart that happens. Right. And so I literally I saw him pick up the ticket and I look at Steve and I go, Ten bucks says it. he No, as a ten bucks says he won't be able to pronounce it and he's just gonna look questioningly. And literally as the words flew out of my mouth, he goes, Ernie, I- Irene mm-hmm. like so Sidebar at my strangely, you know, spelled first name. He will have it on his website, AaronHundley.com. Um, in the next week, hopefully, I'll have a couple pieces coming out. Um, you can also find me at, on Etsy uh, at Flourish and Ink Blots. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's named after the bookshop in Harry Potter. But uh, I always wondered what it was. You didn't know that yet. No. Flourish and Blots is the bookshop in Diagon oh, Alley, yeah. and so I'm Flourish and Ink Blots. Okay, um, that's like my twelfth Harry Potter mention in this podcast, right? <laughs> but uh, Which yeah, is usually ten more than or ten I, less than you. Ten le- yeah. yeah, I know. I'm, I got more Harry Potter, <laughs> right. Harry Potter, Harry Potter. But uh, yeah, you can find me in both those locations uh, or meandering at screenings and or mm-hmm. talking to myself in a coffee shop. Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. Muggle pictures don't move. Twitter handle Aaron Hundley. Aaron underscore Hundley. Aaron underscore Hundley. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> wow. What are my social media platforms? Yeah. Sheesh. I mean, I play Facebook, but if you add me and I don't know you, I won't add you back. Yep. Uh, yeah. Excellent. Uh, and for this podcast, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you can find it on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at about to review brand synergy. Uh, you can go to the website about review.com, support the show so, so with the support tab up at the top. Um, again, editing is dumb, so I'm trying to do that. Uh, and then also about to review.threadless.com. Uh, the t shirts, yeah, like I have actually been really impressed with the quality of them. Super soft, super comfortable. So check those out. Uh, at aboutreview.threadless.com. Thank you to the sponsor, Vexing Media. I think that about wraps it up. Oh, and then Blueberry, iTunes. What is right, that? Subscri- yeah. Yeah, subscribe on like, Blueberry, <laughs> iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, on YouTube. Every time you say that, I think you're going to say Apple Pie, and I get really excited. And, and Plus, I followed up with Blueberry. Yeah, yeah. and I'm like, that's sad. <laughs> um, YouTube.com slash about to review. Uh, that is where I will be putting the interview segments that I do uh, tomorrow. Or when I go to the Daily Magic Productions, uh, I might actually, maybe I'll do some video. You should. Not sure. Um, But yeah, so check that out. You can subscribe on all of those places. So for this episode of About to Review, I have been joined by... 
Aaron Hadley. Hi. <laughs> of Sunday Night Slow Jams or right. Wednesday Wailings, whenever you're joining Ooh, us. Wednesday Wailings. I like it. Yeah. And I have been your host, that guy named John, and we will see you next time. Da-da-da-da. This has been an About to Review production. Thank you to Vexing Media, who provides audio editing services. They are a graphic design, website design, and digital media company. You can find them at their website, vexingmedia.com, or on Facebook and Twitter, at Vexing Media. <laughs>